From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development at an affordable price. Also by ShowTheSafeties.com, if you haven't uh, signed the petition to get wider angles, which we're starting to get traction on, wider angles for the modern passing game on television, televised football, then go ahead and sign that uh when you get a chance, EPR Creations put that site together for me, by the way. And then also by ShenRealEstate.com, Shenandoah Newsma Real Estate up in the Research Triangle in uh, North Carolina. And then Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. And finally, by Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. Thanks to all my sponsors and also to the Patreon subscribers and everybody else uh, who makes this show possible. This is the second of two shows working through analysis of the spring game. Went through quite a bit in the first one. We're going to pick up with the edge rushers with uh, discussion discussion of the edge position and uh, then work our way to several other things in this episode, which was all recorded together with the first one. It just got a little too long. So without any further ado, let's just go ahead and get to discussion of the edge position. So I will say this game did not, what I saw out there did not allay my concerns, did not completely assuage my concerns about some of the edge depth. I mean, obviously, you know what you got in verse. You know, that that guy's an All-American. You, you also have a pretty good sense of what you got in Patrick Payton at this point. Still a little bit of a work in progress. You'd like to see him still get a little stronger, continue to be more of a factor against the run. But you know what you got in those two. And those are those are your two primaries. I think that I think you probably start with those two guys on the field. Edmund, he didn't really jump out at me. To me, he he's more of a true backup at this point. More of a guy who, you know, you use to eat reps who doesn't hurt you, who can who can be a factor against the run, but he was not quite as physical as I'd hoped for. He's a guy that, that they're going to have to rely on to, to play with a little bit more physical edge uh, and a little higher intensity than what we saw in this game. Just my in- immediate reflection. Now, Turner, Byron Turner, 54, now he flashed a couple times, and, and he did a couple things in, as a pass rusher that, you know, McClendon hasn't done. There you feel pretty good. I mean, he... The, the burst, especially straight line burst that you get there, he's rangy. And he flashed. He, he, he's, he's got some promise there. But again, availability is the most important ability, and he's been hurt so far a good bit. Can he stay healthy? And can he get stronger? He needs to be a little heavier and a good bit stronger going into next year. But he can, he can help you. I think he can be a guy that you can put out there and, and probably not get hurt too much. But the thing is, right now, and this is where you really wish McClendon had stuck around because I do think he hurts in terms of a guy that can take, you know, 20, 25, 30 reps a game to keep you fresh. I mean, I don't think you want Jared Verse playing 60 snaps a game. So McClendon really was a three on this team rather than, you know, a second starter. But, and, and I think Edmund has more upside all around. But I think ideally those two would have been the backups and would have given you you know, 30 reps a piece, 30 solid reps a piece, while, you know, Verse and, and Peyton got a lot of the, the key reps. 
they're going to need to they're going to need to really find what they need to on that in that second unit. And again, I think you know, having Fisk kick outside, maybe Briggs kicking outside some having some options out there other than the the than Edmund and Turner having some some big options, going to some big personnel at times might be the solution at least against some teams. Of course, you also wonder like can Jaden Jones as he works his way back, his way back from injury, is he going to be ready to go? Can he help? I mean, that's kind of a wild card going into the uh into the fall. But yeah, I think you're going to need need to find just a little bit more depth there. And again, this is a spot where you know, if a Mario Jones if a uh if a uh, Marvin Jones Jr. type hit the uh hit the portal, you take that guy and and plug him in right away as a you know, 30 rep per game backup. But you know, those guys don't hit the portal very often and you know, odds are you're not getting him to be a to be a backup right now anyway. So you know, I think that's one of the spots on this team where I think you just wish you had a little bit more depth, you know, and, and Jaden Jones being fully healthy and, and, and able to build on on things rather than recovering from from injury there. But on the flip side, I thought linebacker, I'm pretty comfortable with where they're at there. I mean, you know what you got in Deloach, Bethune and, and, and Lundy and Deloach looked like he'd taken a little bit of a step forward, although, again, smart player against your own offense. I'm going to start picking stuff up and you, know, you see that. But I thought Omar Graham played well enough that I would be I would be confident that if they had to if he had to start a couple games because somebody was nicked up or whatever, I think he's ready to go. And I think DeMarco Ward showed that he's he's a hit as well. The instincts are there in in the fluidity and just he 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 looks the part, moves well. That's a, that's a solid hit. So you feel good about I think five linebackers. You don't want Ward being a guy that's playing much this year, but he's a, a contributor, definite contributor as a special teamer right away. Uh, you can see why Gant decided to find his way out because Graham and Ward were basically, they're better than him at that spot. And and losing Gant does hurt, but most, most of where that hurts is on special teams. And you're going to need some of those freshmen, you know, Quindarius Jones and uh, Kenton Kirkland and some of those guys as they get on campus, you know, Rawls, Hussey, Blake Nicholson, some of those guys are going to have to fill those gaps on special teams. That's what you're going to have to do. But I think overall, you feel pretty good about where you are on the back end on defense. And you feel really good about where you are on defense everywhere except for just a couple of backups. You know, maybe you, you got some concerns about the backups, like I said, on the edge and, you know, the the overall level of depth on the edge which again, you can mitigate a little bit by pulling some of your, your quicker edge your your quicker interior guys outside a little bit. And then at safety, just a little bit of depth there. Everywhere else, you feel good about your entire two deep or three deep on defense. And that's a huge luxury. Now that takes us then to the, maybe the biggest luxury on this team. And that is the, that's the, the offensive line spot. And I mean, Wow. They've just come miles. That they were they they were a, a a pretty good offensive line last year. That was a, that was a top half of the ACC level offensive line last year. I mean they handled LSU pretty well last year. Now, granted, that was without Mason Smith. LSU this year is going to have Mason Smith. It's going to be a different LSU off, uh, defensive line that this this group's going to going to face. And I'm I'm not sure they beat LSU last year if Mason Smith plays. Now. 
They also didn't have Bless Harris to play against LSU. And, you know, maybe with Bless Harris out there and Mason Smith out there, then that evens it out. But, yeah, this this group, this group's a lot better across the board than last year's offensive line. Just player for player. This is the best offensive line group Florida State has had in over a decade. Better than the 2013 group overall. I mean, 2013 group had five starters that, that started and played every game that stayed healthy. So, you know, you, you, you've got the luck factor going in there. But player for player through the first eight players or so, you take this offensive line over the 2013 offensive line. And I don't think it's a question. I mean, to, to give some, some perspective on that, you know how good Patrick Payton and Jared Verse are. I mean, that, that, they're known. And those guys were basically non-factors when Florida State's top four offensive tackles were out there. That says all you need to know about the offensive tackles. I mean, Bless Harris, to my eye, looked better and more natural at left tackle than Robert Scott has. And Robert Scott was, what, second team All-ACC last year? Bless Harris is an, a definite starter and just a massive upgrade over what they had last year at, at offensive tackle with Jazz Turnantine and, you know, and nicked up Jazz Turnantine and nicked up Darius Washington at tackle. Just a completely different animal with Bless Harris out there. I mean, he, he's an, an immediate, he's a definite starter. So he's going to start at, on, at either left tackle or right tackle. And you're going to be better at that tackle because he's there. Honestly, I think you leave Harris at left tackle and you move Scott back to right tackle. That's provided that Robert Scott's foot and ankle get fully healthy and he's able to be fully healthy going into the year. I think those are your tackles, Harris and Scott. Now, Maybe they like Scott better at left tackle, Harris at right tackle. It doesn't matter. To me, those are your two starting tackles. But if Scott's not 100%, Washington looked the best he's looked at Florida State in the spring game. At, at, he, played, he was the starting right tackle. That was the best he's looked. It sure, sure helps being healthy. and sure helps getting a full, healthy offseason where you, where you get a chance to get stronger and... and work through some of the things that have led to some injuries in the past. But I mean, if he looks like that, then you feel good about that tackle. If, if Scott's not ready to go, then you leave him there. You, you go with Washington or you go with Byers. Byers 63 looked very good at that right tackle spot. Gave up one blow by to, to Byron Turner. He didn't real, really feel good about, but Again, you, you feel like you've got a, a player that can that can compete at that right tackle spot with, with buyers. So I think going into next year, what that means is with your your tackle depth chart, you've got Harris, Scott, Washington, and Byers. You got four offensive tackles at that point that are all better than what your number two offensive tackle was throughout 2022. So your number two, your your the number two guys on your depth chart at tackle. Both of those guys 
Number two, number three, and number four offensive tackles on this team. Both of those guys, you feel better about than what you did about your starting right tackle last year. And honestly, Julian Armella, I think, has taken a step forward as well. Now, he's nowhere near ready for 2023, I don't think. And I think with continued development, he's probably a starter in 2024. But, you know, he's taken a step forward and looked a little better. And I do wonder really whether he winds up at guard, watching him move around and all of that. We'll see. But I think you'd rather have this year's Julian Armella over Turnitine from from last year. So that might be five guys, five options. So if you're if you just say let's let's stick Robert Scott, let's take him out of the equation, you've got four options that you feel better at better about at that one at that at that other tackle spot than you did about anybody last year. Now, the luxury that that gives you is if somebody gets nicked up for a game or two, you just go with the backup and let the other guy get healthy. That's that's the thing. So, you know, Robert Scott's gotten nicked up in each of his seasons as a starter. What happens if he gets nicked up again next year? You just put the you put the backup in and you let him rest for a game. Because you don't think there's much of a drop off there. And the difference between him banged up and the backup, the backup's actually probably better. So that's a huge difference. You feel you actually feel like you've got offensive tackles on this roster that can all compete. And the thing is, there's even more depth inside. I think it's evident that Casey Roddick is an upgrade overall over Dylan Gibbons. Gibbons was a, a, an excellent leader, really instrumental in turning turning the, the culture of the team around. But <laughs> Roddick moves a lot better and is an overall, he's a better player. And then Emmanuel got his waiver, so he, he, you know, you can just plug and play with your right guard. But I'm not sure he's a starter on this team. I think he splits time, if if anything. And then you got Maurice Smith, who's still reliable snapping. But if Roddick ultimately works on his snapping and gets better at that over the offseason, I think Roddick becomes your starting center. Smith becomes a guy that rotates in as a backup center. Perhaps. And again, Smith may hold him off. I mean, that's the thing is people keep betting against Smith and he keeps coming in and being the best center. But Roddick's going to be a starter one way or another. He'll he'll start either at left guard or at center. And then whoever's not playing tackle between Byers, Washington, and Robert Scott, they can all kick inside and potentially be an upgrade over whoever's inside. And then you get Keandre Jones, the transfer from Auburn, who's an absolute mauler. He stonewalled a couple guys that just showed the power. Now, he's got to get in shape. There's some movement stuff that he's got to get there. I don't think he's quite... I, I don't think he's a starter this year. But I think he may be a starter next year. And a really good one. So, when I look at this, I think you've got seven starters on this team, essentially, on the offensive line, and eight clear rotational guys right now. Nine if you want to get to Armella. But I think you got Bless Harris at tackle, Roddick at guard. Those guys are going to start. End of story. Then you get to to Robert Scott. He's going to start, most likely. So there's three guys that are probably going to start. Harris, Roddick, and Scott. 
Then you get to Washington and Byers. And then Maurice Smith. And then Emmanuel. There's your seven. So Harris, bless Harris. Casey Roddick, Robert Scott, Darius Washington, Jeremiah Byers, Maurice Smith, and Dimitri Emanuel. Those seven guys, I think, are your starters. And you just got to figure out the best combination of five from those guys to put on the field first. And then how do you rotate to stay fresh and healthy among those seven? And then, you know, eight, I say eight rotational guys because Keandre Jones, I think, as the eighth guy is an obvious rotational guy as well. And then, you know, you could argue that Armella and Jalen Early is nine and ten. So you got really a full two deep of rotational guys. But I think Armella is more of a rotational guy against, you know, in garbage time more than a rotational guy against top-level competition at this point. So to me, if I had to guess right now what we're going to see next year, it would be Bless Harris at left, left tackle, and then either Roddick or Washington at left guard, and then either Smith or Roddick at center, and then Jeremiah Byers and Emmanuel splitting at right at right guard, and then either Scott or Washington at right tackle. I think that's what you wind up with. So probably Scott at right tackle. And then Washington is kind of a swing backup. Or, you know, if Roddick can beat Smith out at center, then Washington slides in as the as the left guard. But I think I think that's your your group. And then if you know when Smith is at center, then Roddick is at is at left guard, you know, that sort of thing. But I think that's your group. And the thing is. Let's just say you have Harris, Washington, Roddick, Byers, and Scott. That is a big group. That's a bigger group overall. And that more, more than that, that is a group where all of them move better than last year's group. And you're not going to get pushed around with that group, especially when you add Morlock and Bell and you're in 12 personnel or Morlock and Biscuit, you know, those guys. Now, you also could go Harris... Roddick, Smith, Emmanuel, and Washington or Scott. I, I mean, I think you're going to see some rotation up front, especially, you know, in, say, not the LSU and Clemson game. <laughs> Basically, in all the other games, I think you're going to see more rotation because you're going to see they're, they're going to have seven, eight guys that they need to get on the field. And then once you get to, you know, up 28, up 20, 24, you're going to start to see a lot of the younger guys get out there. Because and the benefit of that is then when those younger guys are playing, the older guys aren't adding that that wear and tear to their bodies, so you stay healthier. And what that does is that gives you, you take that offensive line, you take the twelve personnel, gives you so much offensive flexibility, and just you can be a nightmare to defend in the running game because of all the the different things you can do with that. And you you make you take that with Benson, and you know I think Rodney Hill is the clear compliment to Benson as the the other running back notwithstanding the fumble Benson and Hill are the guys that you're going to feed the rock and then Toa Feely becomes the chain he he stays as the change of pace CJ Campbell I think is your fourth guy and you can just run the football and then when Jordan Travis wants to run well <laughs> adding another dynamic so 
both sides of the ball, the depth looks as good as has been at Florida State since probably the 2013-2014 teams. And in a lot of places, it's deeper. Now, it's not as deep in the secondary at safety as it was in 2013. Uh, I think the receiver position has some depth, but maybe not as much proven uh, clarity on who the who the top of the depth chart is going to be. You need to find the other big play threat outside. Get some, some to me. This team is loaded for a legit run. You, I think that's evident from what 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 we saw. But what what you've got, you feel comfortable everywhere as a rule. But you just need to find the other big play threat outside. In addition to Johnny Wilson, get some growth from numbers two through four on the edge, particularly the third and fourth guys. You know your number three and number four edge guys, and then you got to figure out your special teams questions. Because, you know, kicking is still a little bit of an adventure. You, you know, punt returner was handled so well by Pittman last year. You know, you got to figure out what you're going to do there if he's not going to be out there. Other than that, I mean, you feel pretty good. And, you know, you if, you, if you've watched any other stuff, any other ACC contenders, this Florida State team looked like the best, best team in the ACC and by a healthy margin, in my opinion. Go watch the Clemson spring game and take a look at what they look like, especially at wide receiver right now. Clemson doesn't have a number one receiver. Florida State's sort of searching among a, a number of decent options for the number two guy. Clemson doesn't have a number one. That's a big deal for them, especially in that offense. So, you know, are they going to be con- a contender? Absolutely. I mean, defensively, they can match up largely with what Florida State has. But I think FSU is stronger than Clemson inside on defense for the first time in, wow, go back, uh, what, six years at least? I think FSU has the better defensive line between Clemson and, and Florida State for the first time in maybe six, seven years. And I think Florida State has a significantly better offensive line than what Clemson has. And you start going down the list and you go, wow, that they actually match up pretty well, favorably even, with with Clemson this year. It's going to be really interesting to see. You know, you obviously have to stay healthy enough, but this team is built for a legit run. Now, the, the last group that I should talk about, and I guess we'll need to talk more about them later in the in the uh, in the offseason. It's a quarterback group. Uh, you know what you got in Jordan Travis, and he didn't play a ton in this game, which I was actually glad of because <laughs> I wanted to see the other guys more. Uh, the thing that I was really happy to see is I think Rodemaker has made significant strides. I, I have to admit, I was not sure that Rodemaker would ever be at a level where I would be comfortable with him as a as a starter at Florida State. And with what I saw in the spring game, I think he he might be a year away from being a guy that you look at and you go, yeah, you know, he's, he's the heir apparent and he, he should be the starter. It's possible. He made some throws in this game that you go, okay, that's a starter throw. That's, that's a legit throw. That's, that's a good player. And didn't make some of the boneheaded type throws and some of the panic type throws that you got from him early in his career. Looks like the game is starting to slow down for him. And and that's really, really good to see because the arm talent, and he's got pretty good arm talent, especially when he sets his feet. Not a guy you want to throw on the run a bunch, you know, brings a very different kind of skill set from what Jordan Travis has, 
but guy can sling it and can put it in those seams, can can make some throws. We saw that against against Louisville last year. And I think he's made I think he made significant strides this 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 spring. And as for the other two, I mean Glenn belongs at this level. I think that that much you can see. I mean he's still swimming a little bit. Uh made some made some mistakes that you know it's why he's not ready to go yet. Uh but but he he belongs. The the arm talent is there. He's a better athlete than I think what you thought you were getting when you when you signed him. And he's going to compete. He's going to compete for the starting job next year. He, he, he will be in the mix. And then Duffy. I, I mean, Duffy is still ahead of Glenn. Made some throws that you feel really good about. And then there were a few times where you can see he's kind of in that transition period where the game is starting to slow down a little bit. And he understands what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't always do it. And the moment he does the wrong thing, he knows it, he's he's like telling himself, no, 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 no. Like as that's happening, that's the stage that you get to right before the game really slows down. And you can see him kind of laughing, like smiling, like, yeah, yeah, I got like, I know, you know, when certain stuff happens and, and, and you like his demeanor in general. Uh, I think he's a good bit ahead of, of Glenn now, but Glenn will push and Glenn may pass him. It's possible. Uh, and, you know, the, obviously the interception that Duffy threw was horrible and inexcusable. The kind of thing that Rodemaker did once in a while when he was younger. But you can start to see the light bulb flickering there a little bit with Duffy, which is is really encouraging. And I think you've got the healthiest quarterback room you've had in, you know, had since you had, you know, Jameis and Coker on on on, on campus at the same time. And they, they just haven't had more than two bodies in that room that you felt were even remotely confident uh, since that point. So, you know, you got four guys that can actually play that position. And, and you know, if you wind up stuck, you know, if you wind up having to play Duffy, you don't want to have to play Duffy against LSU or, or Clemson, obviously, or, you know, Florida or Miami and some of the guys, some of the teams on your schedule, you don't feel real comfortable with. The thing is with the guys around him, and you know you you pare down the, the 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 plan like what you did for Rodemaker last year. I think you can get out of Duffy a lot of what you got out of Rodemaker last year if if it came to that, and you hope it doesn't. But you're at that point now where that's where you are with your three. And you know Glenn is pushing, so you feel really good about that. Again, very very solid coming out of the out of the spring. Very happy with what you see there. And in position not just to make a run this year. But you're starting to develop guys behind the first level guys so that you're ready to reload. I mean, you think about Julian Armella right now. Armella would have started two, three years ago at, at tackle. Armella coming into this year with what, what he showed in the spring game, he would have started three years ago. But the thing is, he, he's not ready. Jalen Early would have started three years ago. Quayshon Sapp would have started three years ago. Those guys all would be starting. But the difference is now all those guys are, are sitting and they're waiting and they're biding their time and they're buying into the, into the culture. They're buying into the off-season conditioning. And then when it becomes their time, they're coming in as you know, third-year players. And that makes such a huge difference. And, and you know, I, was, I was trading texts with Steve Pointer. Uh, some of you know him from some of the uh some some other podcasting in the past those sorts of things but he pointed out in terms of the two deep there might only be three guys that wind up on the two deep who are under 21 years of age 
That makes a big difference. When you're playing grown men, I mean, you got Jackson, Peyton, and Brown are the only likely starters that are in their third years or, or less. And they're all third years. Everybody else who's, who's a likely starter are in their fourth <laughs> up through their seventh years. Clemson, by the way, is only going to have two guys, 21 or older, on their offense starting. That's how young they are on offense. Now, most of their defense is older, but again, you're going grown men when you're, when you're starting 21-year-olds and above. And that's where Florida State's at. It's going to be really interesting coming into this year. And again, what that does is that allows you, your 18, 19-year-olds are developing, and then next year, when they go to start, they're 20 and 21. That's what you're hoping for. So the program is the healthiest it's been in a long time. The floor has been raised. Now the question is whether they can, they can actually hit their ceiling this year. And that's going to come down to injury luck and a few other things, but they've done everything they need to do to, to be in that position. And it's really kind of amazing to see. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Mike Norvell and his staff for, for the development job that they've done in this program. So that'll do it for us once again. This is the end of part two of the spring game retrospective. I'm your host, Jason Staples. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Dave Blair, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.